Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I think network is a huge part, no matter what you do, you're raising capital, looking for deals, any of the above, having that network of people that you can rely on so that you can say, hey, I've got a question about this or that. You can have someone you can contact and ask questions about. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed. I'm here with Don Spafford. Don is joining us from Idaho Falls, Idaho. He's currently a senior accounting analyst for a financial services company. He's also a partner in Happy Camper Capital. Happy Camper syndicates RV resort vacation campgrounds and marinas. In his current portfolio, he is a GP and LP of 800 build to rent apartments with another 650 on the way. And with Happy Camper Capital, they have approximately 850 rentable spaces and a mix of some other holdings. Don, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Sure. Thank you, Slocum, for the uh, warm introduction. My background is based on finance and investment science, portfolio management, as kind of goes with that financial analyst position. At some point in the past, when I was pursuing those degrees, my plan was to become a financial advisor, a wealth manager type position. And after the 2008 crash, that kind of changed my perspective on the stock market perspective. And I started looking into other 
things that are out there. My, my wife became a realtor around 2011, and that's kind of when my eyes were opened up really to investing in real estate and, and learning how to do that. At that point, we lived in Omaha, Nebraska. We moved to Idaho in 2015. And once we got here to Idaho, that's really where I got more motivated to figure it out and, and get things moving. I understood that real estate was the best way to really build income to help someone reach financial independence more quickly than just trying to save up millions of dollars in an IRA or something. So that was what really motivated me to really get started and going. And so I have fourplex was my first property I purchased in 2017. And then a couple more about a year and a half later, and then eventually got into some other projects, like you mentioned, some development projects and eventually had the camper capital. Sounds like you're also currently a GP with a, an apartment syndication group. Yes, that's correct. Gotcha. So why are you doing both? What needs are they <laughs> filling for you? I got involved with the build to rent projects before I was with Happy the Camper Capital. So that kind of just came about through, we'll say a series of events, I guess, that came about through networking and, and possibilities that came up. This group had approached me a few years ago to invest with them in that project they were doing at the time. At that moment, I turned them down because I was pretty much finding better deals on my own than what they were offering. Then came early 2021, they approached me again with a new project they had going that was much better for returns. And by this point, I was much more involved myself in commercial real estate and, and networking with other syndication deal sponsors and other investors. So when this new deal that came up there, they approached me about, it looked good to me as compared to what I was seeing in elsewhere. I pretty much offered to them if they'd be willing to let me help and join them and provide some kind of value to their team and, and be part of what they were doing. So I liked what they were doing and where things were going. So uh, I guess lucky for me, they agreed to let me give that a try. And I came on as an investor relations specialist with their team to help more or less obviously raise capital for the team, but I also did a lot more the marketing aspect, putting the deal packets and, and things like that, things that they weren't really experts in because they were developers and uh, had pretty much relied on their family and friends prior to that. And so they didn't really do much as far as marketing materials. They just told their friends and family, hey, we've got a deal. And they would give them money. So <laughs> coming to the outside investors that I was dealing with, well, they need a bit more than that. So I had to put some things together and got things going with that. And the timing worked out that their very next deal that came up with this was this huge development project of about 800 doors here in, in Idaho Falls. So I got to be involved with that. And that was essentially my first syndication I was really involved with uh, at any level. It was a small GP share on that, but some experience. We have another project coming up soon as well in, in Texas. So with built to rent, they're great, but also at the same time, they do take some time, right? You're going from ground up, nothing. So it can take a few years really to get anywhere with that. It's not like an instant overnight thing and, and cash flow and whatnot. So knowing those projects are going to take some time, I was looking for something else to do in between. So I was still really focusing on multifamily, trying to get involved with some other syndication groups or to find my own deals to either syndicate or JV on or something. And really, I wasn't really having much luck with any of those things. I'm not finding any deals that for me stood out as, we'll say, the high-end returns that I was looking for, that I knew there had to be something more than just the average deals that I was seeing. And just in that search is how I came upon campgrounds. I heard on a different podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts all the time. So one I listened to about a year and a half ago mentioned campgrounds as an investment option, which myself, as same as most other people, I'd never heard of that before. I <laughs> didn't know you could do that. So I started learning more. I went to different webinars and, and meetup events that were discussing this topic. And being where I live in, in Idaho Falls, we're about an hour and a half from Yellowstone Park. So it's a big camping area. People come here from all other places to go camping and stay by in the parks and hunting, fishing, boating, all those things. So I saw there was an opportunity there that I could somehow get my foot in the door with somebody that's in this space that may want to buy something here. Um, and I said, my wife is a realtor, so we could, we could help with the purchase if needed. I could be the boots on the ground, take pictures and video and all that kind of thing. 
And then just doing that is where I eventually met my partners who had just closed on their first deal and were looking to grow their team and do more. We got connected and, and discussed my goals and, and their goals and their vision and where things were heading. And of course, discussed the returns that these campgrounds get, which is really what got my attention initially. So things went from there and they were pleased with what I had already been doing at that point and my personal goals and, and things I was looking to do. So they invited me to join with them and be part of Happy Camper Capital. And so I, nice. uh, I did that. I do want to ask you about those returns in a moment, but based on what you shared already, I kind of have three questions I want to ask or three topics I'd like to cover. First, it sounds like as a general partner, you're primarily involved in investor relations. Is that true with both Build to Rent and Happy Camper? Primarily, yes, that's correct. Don, I'm making some assumptions here that I either want you to validate for me or tell me where I'm wrong for the sake of our listeners. You have a background in financial analysis that seems like it would translate well to investor relations, given that a lot of passive investors either have a similar background or are looking for that sort of expertise from the general partnerships, the operators that they are investing with. And I know you said you helped with some marketing materials as well and creating a presentation, a package for potential limited investors. Is that as natural a segue as it seems to go from financial analysis to investor relations and syndicated commercial real estate? Not really. Most likely not. So initially, like I said, because of my background, I was trying to position myself as somebody to help with the analysis part, right? Do the underwriting and things like that. That seemed to be more of a natural fit, you know, to use my skills and, and talents, we'll say. But I kind of discovered that I didn't like it. It's, of course, been what I've, I've done pretty much my whole life, I guess. But the funny thing is, I am very much an introvert. I've never been the social speaker or, or life of the party type person. I'm usually the one that's quiet and kind of keeps myself. But I quickly discovered as I started talking to people about these deals I was in, especially when I was just starting with that build to rent one, was my first really experience with this. I came to realize that I actually enjoy talking to people, even though, again, I'm an introvert in a normal social situation that would not even probably start a conversation with somebody I didn't know. But having a purpose, we're here to talk about real estate investing and the benefits that it brings about and, and how it can help someone change their lives, really, because it did mine. That gets me excited and I enjoy doing it. So I kind of quickly realized that surprisingly, that's what I enjoy doing. So I kind of more gravitated to that role just because when I said when I enjoy it, but also then, as you mentioned, the background does come in handy to try to explain people how the returns affect them, how they work over time, look at different situations, scenarios, like say, if you want to invest 100,000 in some other deal versus one of these deals, I can show you the differences it's going to make over time for you. So you can make the best, most educated decision on where to place your money. But I think for most people, typically the most I know of anyway, that are in some type of financial background, say accounting or some type of analysis like myself. And of course, I'm making a very big generality here, but most of them I'd say are probably more introverted as well. And that's why we kind of stick that analysis thing because we kind of depend on ourselves. So yeah, for most people, it's probably not a great fit per se doing investor relations, but I found out for me, it works. Why is it that it works for you, Don? <laughs> I think it's a few things. One is I do enjoy helping people. That's always been a big part of my personality and my background in general. I like helping and, and giving back. And this provides me a way to, to help people. It's people like myself, five years ago when I bought that first property, I was in, I'd say, horrible financial circumstances, but I knew that real estate was my best chance to change my future. So I can now use my personal experience along with my knowledge and understanding to help somebody else that may be in a similar situation, realize that this can also be a, a solution to help them and change their future. And so we've had several people that, that have been our first time investors that have decided to invest with us. 
because of those things, I'm able to help them understand and see and, and discuss scenarios and situations that can, over time, help them get to their goals more quickly than some other way of doing it. Nice. You were saying when you were first approached by syndicators of apartments that the deals they were presenting to you, you were actually finding better deals on your own. What did your investing look like before you were involved in a build-to-rent syndication? And how is it that you were finding those deals? So again, prior to that, I was mainly buying these, these fourplexes and some other small multifamilies that were typically getting, let's say, between a 40 to 60% cash on cash. And I was just finding these great, oh, wow. great deals. Yeah. When um, was that? This was between 2017 and 2018. Where right, was right this? Between Idaho, where, where I'm at, where I bought that first fourplex, and then also in Arkansas was where I was finding these deals initially. So this is kind of, you know, if you think about that time, it's kind of early on where there's this big wave of real estate investors getting into the field, I guess, and starting to overinflate prices because of demand. But that's like that first fourplex I bought, it was initially listed on the MLS, didn't sell. The owner decided to list it himself for sale by owner. I found it on Craigslist for sale. It was as is at that time. It was a great deal. Even then it met the 1% rule based off the income it produced. And I knew even then it was under market rent. So I could turn that around, increase the rents and make a great deal of it. So those are the type of deals I was finding. That one I just found on my own, just searching for Craigslist. And then the ones in Arkansas, I, I got connected with some other agents and wholesalers in the area. And uh, these were a couple of off-market properties that were brought to me. And as far as, again, the returns were more or less kind of similar in that range, but you know, at least a 30% plus cash and cash to start off with. So when that development group first approached me about this project they had at the time, I think they were offering, I think, a 12% return or something like that. So again, well, it wasn't bad, but I was like, well, if I'm getting 30% or more, why would I accept 12 so I looked at it in that perspective and I would have no control over it. So it didn't look as appealing to me at that time. Don, if you were getting a 30 to 40% cash on cash return, does that assume you're selling the property or no? No. Okay. So a 30 to 40% cash on cash return without sale. Why would you go do anything else? That was my thought. So I was not looking to do anything else. But as time went on, more competition entered the markets. I was now competing with multiple other offers harder to find those great deals as even the sellers knew that their property's worth more. So the deals I was finding were not as enticing, I'd say, you know, and the ones I did make offers on, I usually always got outbid by somebody else. So it became more difficult to find those unicorn deals or, or whatever. So that's when I started looking to other options, like what else is out there. And this happened that actually before this other project came my way for that built rent, I actually got involved myself in my own development project with a partner to build a, a five unit commercial strip mall. So that came about as well as an opportunity that arose and I saw the opportunity there to seize on it. So acquired this land and got the, the plans in place and everything and started on process to do that. And it took a long time. We'll get into later in some of your lightning round questions, but definitely it's been a learning experience. We're, after a year and a half of preparing and planning and, and everything else, we finally broke ground a couple months ago now at this point and should be completed by early 2023. So these opportunities just kind of came up again as the built rent thing. And when they now approached me early 2021 with the new project they were doing at that point, and they were now offering about a 30% annual return on that. I was like, okay, this is now more in line with what I want for my criteria anyway. And I'm not finding anything else that's as good now anyway. So now it makes sense to do this. Even though there's no cash flow up front, this is prorated after the properties are built and sold. And then you get your returns after it works out to about a 30% annual return. So I was like, yeah, that sounds good to me. So that's kind of where I got involved and, and saw where things were headed and what they were doing. And, and just in general terms of what was happening in the market in 2021, it seemed to me like built rent was the smart way to go anyway. If you're trying to do something else as a value add play, you still got to probably overpay for property to begin with because you're competing with everybody else that wants to buy it. 
Whereas you're building new, you don't really have any competition. You just find great land somewhere and then, of course, get everything in place, have those right connections for the construction and whatnot. But in the end, it's much more profitable after the fact. As well, the opportunity to buy small multifamilies at a 30 to 40% return dwindled as properties appreciated and other people found the well that you were drinking from. You've sold those properties then, I imagine, correct? The two in Arkansas I did, yeah. The one here in Idaho I still own. I refinanced it early this year and 2022 and pulled out well over 100000 from that refinance. And it still cash flows as good of as, as it did before I refinanced it because the interest rates were lower. It works out about the same. So the cash flows well, and I was able to pull out much more capital than I put down on it. So when I bought that property, I only put 10% down. And so I was able to get a lot more out of it and reinvest that into more properties. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCON.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. Everyone is looking for a recession-resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund, by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with $1 billion in self-storage assets. After completing three funds, and selling 38 properties with $0 of investor principal loss. They have an average project level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to the latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R-R-E-L-I-A-N-T.com. Don, you have very aggressive return expectations, which I love. I'm an apartment owner operator in Cincinnati, Ohio, primarily Burr investor. I buy the deals that I can buy well below market value because I have the team that can force the appreciation. So I imagine your very high return expectations are the reason why you are involved in build to rent and then campgrounds, as opposed to traditional apartment syndication that has the 8% preferred cash on cash return with an IRR 15 plus. Thinking about build to rent and campgrounds and marinas as high cash flow investment vehicles within commercial real estate, let's make a quick comparison of the two what would make one better than the other given an investor's goals? Sure. And this is a great point that comes up often with the calls I'm on with people. 
which is why I like being both these because it gives me two different options that I can offer to people depending on their needs. So with the built to rent, obviously there's no cash flow up front. So those are ideal for those who don't necessarily need cash flow now, but do want a great equity multiple within a, a few years and with the potential to have infinite returns as well in that property. So for example, a project like the one here, if we're going to build it up, it's going to maybe take two to three years to get that fully built and then rented out to start seeing really any cash flow. And then after that point, it'd be refinanced or sold possibly, but say it's refinanced and then people get their capital back plus some equity on that. And then also the infinite cash flows after that. So those are great for those people, again, that have maybe high net worth that don't even need cash flow at all. They don't care about cash flow. They just want to keep building wealth over time. Whereas the campground are great for those who need cash flow now. They produce very high cash flows. We're typically on our average deals, we're targeting a 15% average cash on cash. And then with a two and a half, three X multiple over that five-year hold, which is, works out about a 20% plus IRR usually. So again, that kind of gives you both sides of that. So if you're looking for an equity multiple, you can still get that great with campgrounds, but you're also getting that upfront cash flow right away. So people like myself, you know, a few years ago or, or whatever, my focus was always cash flow first. That was my primary goal. I needed the cash flow to help overtake my W-2 income. So people like in my position that are trying to get to that financial independence sooner than later, these campground deals are, are a unique opportunity to get that great cash flow as compared to other, say, multifamily, like you said, that maybe gets an 8% return. So that's why I like having both these options that I can say, hey, you want cash flow now or do you just want that equity multiple later? How do the hold periods compare for these two strategies? So the campgrounds, we typically have an average hold period of about five years. We may exit sooner if we hit our goals for the IRR. If we hit, like I say, a 21% IRR in year three, then maybe we'd exit in year three. But we always plan for a five-year hold to make sure we have time to hit those numbers and do everything we do. Because those campgrounds are still like a value-add play. We're, we're, we're taking them and making them nicer, improving them, expanding out usually, building out more sites, increase the income of the property, and of course the value very similar to what you do with multifamily in some degree. With the build to rent, there's of course a bit more flexibility in there, depending on the things that happen, especially right now with the supply chain issues that may slow some things down. But so especially the size of these projects, we're talking 650 plus units, they're done in phases. So we'll say each phase expected to last about maybe three years or so. You get say about two years to get it built up, another year to get it leased out. And then after that third year, we would probably refinance at that point to pay back the investors and likely stay on for infinite returns depending on the deal structure. And that just for each phase, you know, so if there's another phase two, then you could then roll that into the phase two or, or be out and, and be happy. So it's kind of a shorter time frame, I guess, with, with the built to rent, if you're looking to be in and out within say, a few years, if that's your, your goal, whereas the campgrounds are kind of more about a five-year hold. And with build to rent, when is it that you're giving them the option as to whether or not they would stay in a deal for phase two? Depending on the deal, I guess, and the structure. So usually ahead of time, we'll, we'll know what the plan is, if, if they would be or not be to have that option, but. It may come down to near the end if we decide that we may need more capital for that phase two. Because usually after phase one, we'd say that the value of the property is well enough itself that it would more or less provide the backing that the banks are going to want to see to provide the loan for phase two or phase three. If there's a need, I guess, for more capital at that point, we would first give people the option when it's time to cash out. Say, hey, do you want to receive your capital and distributions now or would you like to just roll that into phase two and essentially multiply those returns? Up front, we may at least give that expectation and say there may be possibility to do that, but no guarantees. Gotcha. That's pretty compelling stuff. Don, are you ready for our best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's go for it. Awesome. What is the best ever book you recently read? The one that I've most recently read is The Win-Win Wealth Strategy, Seven Investments the Government Will Pay You to Make by Tom Wilwright. 
it's, a, it's such a textbook. So <laughs> with my background, I do actually enjoy reading textbooks and, and strategies that are available to investors to utilize. Uh, it gives me extra tools in my tool belt, I'll say, when I'm talking to somebody that may not be aware of them, something they can do. I'm like, hey, well, you can use this strategy or do this thing to set up your LLC in this way or whatever to provide them value. Of course, I tell them I'm not a, uh, a CPA or, or tax advisor, so obviously don't do what I say. But <laughs> just so you're aware of these things are out there, you can talk to your person about it. But that's a, a book that I enjoy. I, I like the books that he writes. I do too. I'm a fan. What is your best ever way to give back? As I mentioned earlier, a big part of me and my personal beliefs is I do like to give back. So I do a lot of donating just in general. I donate at least 10% or more of my gross income and I do lots of service. I provide to groups or things happening in the community. Ideally, long-term, my wife and I are both on this together that we would like to eventually at some point do something more for not only our local community, but other parts of the world. So I don't believe we mentioned, but I lived in Argentina for two years and my wife is from Paraguay. So think of them as maybe like a, a third world country per se, but there is a lot of poverty in those areas and, and I've seen a lot of it firsthand. And so it's always been a, a goal of mine for the past 20 years that at some point when I am able to do so, I would like to do something for those areas to not just give donations, things, but to do more, to provide some type of work environment to you know, put in a factory, whatever maybe to provide jobs that can provide a real income to the people there and, and help them improve their own personal situations, their family situations, and help improve things in general in those areas. So that's our long-term goal is something like that at some point when we were able to. But yeah, I do think that giving is a, a big part of what everybody should do and some sort of way to, to give back service or donations, whatever it may be. I think the long run, it provides more to you than what you give. Absolutely. Don, in your commercial real estate investing career, what is the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? Probably the biggest mistake. And lucky for me, I'd say even my mistakes have never been anything horrible. But going to that first development project that I got involved with, this five-unit strip mall. So early on when we, we acquired the, the land and worked up the plans, the ideas, everything seemed great up front. But neither myself nor my partner had ever done anything with development before, so we had really no idea what we were doing. <laughs> I just saw this was an opportunity, and I was like, I can't pass up on a great opportunity. So we got involved and got things going, and right off the bat, the bank said, yeah, great, no problem, we'll give you a loan. And then when we got the builder already and everything's ready to go, the bank comes back and tells us that we needed to get some LOIs from our potential tenants before they could approve the loan. I'm like, well, you could have told us months ago, so we could have worked on that instead of getting the building everything in place. So that kind of put a setback, and we had to go back now and, and work to get these LOIs. And this was near the end of last year, so kind of, again, this time of year with the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, things. It was not easy to get those right away up front. And we ran into some issues with, I guess, local businesses that are not as willing to sign an LOI uh, without seeing a building there and knowing that something's coming, as opposed to some of those national companies that have no problem because that's just a typical standard process. So these are some things that we ran into we're not aware of, didn't understand, that kind of put a hold on a lot of those things. And because of those delays it caused, since then, a lot of the materials prices have gone up. And so our, our cost to build this project inflated by probably, I'd say, 40% or so from when the initial bid we got to build it to where we finally started breaking ground. So it definitely put a setback on our overall expectations. So what I learned from that is essentially when you're going to start on a new project that you have no experience with, as much as it seems like a great plan and idea to do, it's probably best to find a partner or nothing else somebody you can consult with that can help you to know what you're doing to not make mistakes or missteps that can set you back later on that's definitely helpful and on that note don what is your best ever advice so for me personally again what really i think set me up to have the success i'm having now was just networking getting out there and, and 
getting known and being known by others. So I think everybody that listens to this is probably familiar with the term that people invest with those who they know, like, and trust. So if I'm not known by anybody, how are they going to like or trust me? So for me, it was a, a big mental hurdle for me initially, again, being an introvert. About early 2021, I, I really forced myself to come out of my shell and start being much more active on social media, going to networking events, whether it be online or in person, you know, just for that purpose of people getting to know me was my whole goal. I was like, you know, if I find partners or deals along the way, great. But ideally, I needed to have people know who I was. So when I did have a deal I could present to them, they would know me enough to like and trust me to invest with me. So I think networking is a huge part, no matter what you do. You're raising capital, looking for deals, any of the above. Having that network of people that you can rely on, so that you can say, hey, I've got a question about this or that. You can have somebody you can call and contact and, and ask questions about. And obviously, if you need help with deals, they can help bring capital to the project as well or whatever you may need. So, so networking is definitely key to really push yourself past more than what you can do alone. That's great advice. I'm always a fan of networking, Don. Thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend that you know that we can add value to through the conversation we've had today. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thanks, everybody.